Let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily entangles us. Let us run with endurance. There's that message from last Sunday, endurance. There's something that outlives hope. When hope turns to hopelessness, there's endurance. Glory to God, the spirit of endurance. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Notice I said, quoting the Bible, race, race that is set before us. As we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and developer of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured his cross, despising its shame, and is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Hallelujah. Well, the Lord said to me a while back ago this. He said, the train of my anointing, the train of my purpose. And as he was speaking to me, I could just, in my mind's eye, visualize a train moving. We have a train tracks that go by our house, and every day that train goes by, and you hear that whistle, and... and uh, we see that little train go. So I had that in my mind's eye, and the Lord said, the train of my anointing, the train of my purpose is coming. And when it comes alongside you, you will need to be up to speed to hop on board. So I got the impression it wasn't stopping. And like the old movies and the old shows where you'd see the hobos or whatever, jump in the train. You'd have to kind of run alongside of it. And uh, so if you're a stagnant Christian, um, you need to get a friend to help run you and toss you up on that thing. But uh, we, we definitely need to be people of action, spiritually, people of activities, people that move Praise the Lord. So the Lord used the phrase with me, up to speed. He said, you need to get up to speed. I ask you this morning, are you up to speed with God? Are you up to speed with God? Should the train of his, his anointing, the train of his purpose, and the Lord didn't say the train of my blessings, although we know wherever he is, there's blessing. Luke chapter 5, remember, the Bible says it was a home of the Jewish leader, the Pharisees, and Jesus was there, and the power was present to heal them. Even though they um, were in disbelief and plotting against him, God never goes anywhere where he leaves his power. Jesus left his right to be acknowledged as God and worship behind, but he certainly did not leave the divinity of who he was behind. So wherever God is, Jehovah Rapha, is. Hallelujah. He's a deliverer. He's a healer. Praise the Lord. Um, a reliever of sufferings. But, um, but it, the, the Lord did not speak to me and say, the train of prosperity is coming, or the train of all the answers to all your prayers are coming, and not to minimize or take away from the Lord meeting our needs. But he specifically said, the train is the train of the anointing the train of my purpose. And when I look out on the world today, I realize that there's people that need money. I realize there's, hey, I look at my own mailbox, I can tell there's people who need money. Um, uh, there's people that need healing. But I know that what the world really needs is the anointing, the presence of God, the purpose 
of God. Jesus said, if I am lifted up, if you can manage to lift me up, if you can figure out how to lift me up, if you can, if you can learn what they learned in the book of Acts and let me be lifted up, I'll, you won't have a problem attracting people. I will draw them if I am lifted up. Hallelujah. So that's God's purpose. That's his purpose. So the Lord said, the train of my anointing and of my purpose is coming. Um, I don't want to suggest that his purpose and anointing hasn't been here for 2,000 years. It certainly has. But uh, you know from generation to generation, God, God is always moving. And when he says to a particular people or to a body or to a family individual, I am coming, he's talking about bringing that fresh manna, bringing that, that refreshing to your vision. Hallelujah. And uh, Jesus even said, every scribe instructed under the kingdom of God brings out of his treasure something old and something new. We don't throw away the old, but we want to be refreshed. And the new things that God brings aren't things that he's invented since the Bible was written. That's right. uh, they are just the freshness of what the word says in our life, right? Okay. So, and you know that God's not talking about the church getting up to speed with the world. He's talking about getting up to speed with God. I know there are some Christians that feel like if I could just get up to speed with the world, I feel so irrelevant. I feel so out of touch. I feel so old. Uh, but listen, I hope you understand that what, what, what is going to save those that are in the world is Jesus. The presence of Jesus. So we need to get up to speed with God, not up to speed with the world. You can be up to speed with the world, and you'll never get anywhere close to being able to hop on that train when it comes. Praise the Lord. You know, there's another thing. God always launches these initiatives. You, we read about them throughout the Bible. You read them in the New Testament, the book of Acts. He launches these initiatives. He gives these visions that are way beyond the capabilities of the people that he's speaking to. Whether it's Gideon hiding in the wine vat, or David at the cave of Adullam, or the frustrated fishermen of Galilee. The fact is that um, all of us could be at breakneck speed on our jobs, raising our families, busy being retired. I don't know what, what it might be. But the fact is, that when God launches an initiative, it's always faster than the speed we're going at. His initiatives are always beyond our capabilities. Otherwise, we wouldn't need God. Can you say amen? So, um, we need to keep up. We need to get up to speed, praise the Lord. So, uh, to get us up to speed, God always stirs praise and worship. Praise and worship so that we'll be responsive to the Holy Spirit when he comes. You know, God is, is uh, not given credit enough for how much he moves and how much he's willing to move. We notice how much people respond to God, and we think that's how much God moves or wants to move. But come on, honey, you know that... Um, I know it's the 21st century. Forgive me if I called you honey. 
But there's some things old and some things new. I'm a scribe, hallelujah, in the kingdom, so that some of that old stuff's not going to go away. Praise the Lord. So we know, we know, hallelujah, that, uh, that God is trying to stir us up to get up to speed with Him so that we could be responsive to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, I believe, is in the world with, with God-sized arms full of purpose. God's a chatty God. He's not uh, wasteful in His words. He's direct. He doesn't waste His words, but God is a talkative God. And the Holy Spirit is a spirit of action. And so God is always trying to draw us to be responsive to the Spirit. And praise and worship, you know, there's a lot of ways we get there. Fasting and prayer, breaking the yoke over our flesh, breaking old habits. Those things are all valid. They're all very important. Um, but all of those different ways in which God called his people to get up to speed, think I mentioned earlier Gideon, they, they, and David and different ones, they always boil down to some form of directing our hearts in desperation, hunger and thirst, focusing, distilling, distilling our emotions, our needs and our desires down to that one fine point that David described in what was it, 27 Psalm verse 4, one thing have I desired that also will I seek after. Hallelujah. Well, no wonder the Lord was with David. David tried to get God off his back. You know, he'd go out and sin, do stupid stuff. Nope, the Lord was still there. He'd repent and be broken, and God's gifts and callings are without repentance. And so, praise and worship. I mean, not, sing, not song singing. You know, we sang some songs this morning, but I hope we worshiped. I hope we praised. I hope we weren't grading the songs. I give it a six. Oh, did you hear them? They flubbed up. Or, you know, oh, I can't stand those drums. Or, you know, people just get carnal. They just get carnal. And they forget to worship, to praise God. Hallelujah. And worshiping God, pouring your heart out, saying, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty is how God gets us up to speed, getting us responsive to His Spirit. He even said, those that hunger and thirst after righteousness will be filled. It's then that the Holy Spirit will sweep us up into God's momentum and carry us into revival. Can you say amen? amen. That scripture that I read out of Hebrews, laying aside every weight and the sin that so easily entangles us, let us run with endurance. When you start running spiritually, you'll throw those weights off. But as long as you're sitting stagnant, wrestling with your weights, they're just going to keep clamping on you. They're just going to keep tying you up. You've got to get up and move. You've got to praise and worship God. When the, when the door is open and the opportunity to give Him praise is there, don't let somebody else praise Him for you. Don't let somebody else's voice lift Him up while you sit in silence. But give him praise. Are you alone in the house? Run around and praise the Lord. Uh, there's your moment. If you're worried about the rest of the family seeing you go crazy, then, uh, you know, just, just do it before you and the Lord. But get your heart out before God. Amen. Hallelujah. I know that makes some sense to at least somebody. Praise the Lord. Amen. 
You are not going to get up to speed with God running at your own comfortable pace of spirituality because your pace has been set by the world. Now, I, please don't be offended if I've said that to you. I'm not trying to be provocative, but I do want you to think. Most of us set our spiritual pace according to the demands of the world in our life. And we adjust ourselves, just like goldfish adjust themselves to the size of the pond. That's why you go to the Asian buffet and they have the giant tank. You think, where do you get the goldfish that big? They're the little bitty ones. You just put them in a bigger tank, they'll get bigger. <laughs> and the same thing with our spiritual capacity. If, if we allow God to move us, and we pour our heart out. What are you doing? You're stretching, like working out with weights. You're stretching your mind. You're stretching your heart. You're stretching your spirit as you bless and worship the Lord outside your comfort zone. It's not comfortable to work out. It's more comfortable to sit on the couch and watch them work out on the commercials on TV while you eat Lay's chips. When you have simmered down spiritually in your life, you're no longer running with God. Again, I'm not trying to, I didn't say you're not with God, you're not running with Him. You're not running with God if you have simmered down, if you've quieted down, you have adjusted to the world. You're not going to change the world. You're not going to kick doors open. You're not going to take down the, the enemies territory you are if you're not willing to get up and motivate across the Jordan walk those seven days around Jericho those walls are not going to fall down just because you're praying them down amen hallelujah so if you've simmered down spiritually this morning when this uh, message is finished and we take a, a, a moment around the altar to respond to the Lord not to the preacher but to the Lord respond to the Lord think, if I simmered down spiritually, then let me ask the Holy Spirit to help me. That's the fire. Lord, I need the fire to burn in my life. We all want the fire because we think fire is power. But fire, fire is uncomfortable. It burns up the things in you and I that are in the way, that are impediments, the weights, sins that so easily beset. It's the fire of passionate desire for God. See, when you're simmered down, you need God, but needing God and being thirsty for God are not the same thing. Sitting and recognizing you desperately need a revival is not the same thing as running after the train. I'm, I'm seeing those kind of looks on people's face like a cow at a new gate. You don't know what, what that there is, is there for. Do, do I walk in? Um, see, when you have simmered down spiritually, that's when those weights and sins cling. They, they cling to you like, uh, like barnacles on a docked ship or, or like uh, fat cells to a couch potato. Um, you can't run with God in a spiritual lazy boy recliner. It, it, you cannot do it. You, and that lazy boy recliner 
is the nest you've made for yourself out of your Christian walk. I'm comfortable here. I like my church. I got my, I've, you know, I've got my Bible in a nice little Bible cozy. I leave my little Afghan in my seat. Nobody sits in it. I just do the same thing. I've got my little devotional book in the morning. I go to my, I get my coffee and I go to, and I have my little devotional. Now I know it sounds like I'm making fun of these things. Now I'm not making fun of them. My God, we need to do those things, but we simmer down. And then there's that nagging, pulsing, stirring on the inside. God, there's got to be something else. We were designed to chase that train and jump on it. And, and if you are just living a devotional life with God, then you need to hear this message this morning. It is time to get up to speed with God. From that lazy boy recliner, you can change the TV channels if you don't like them. You can, but you can't do that with your life. You can't change the scenes in your life with a remote. Can you say amen? amen. It won't work with your life. You have to get up to speed with God if you want your life to change. I don't care how many books you read and how many more times you read about how to... Uh, have a successful life as a Christian and how to do this and how to do that. We are choking to death on what we know. Because our problem isn't we don't know what to do. Our problem is we are inactive. We have leveled off at a place of comfort. We have adjusted our spiritual behavior to our circumstances. And then we pray, God changed my circumstances. But the people that changed the circumstances around them were people that first let God change their spiritual comfort level and stirred them up and provoked them. And you know, you know when God starts doing that to you, you stop criticizing other people. You stop uh, evaluating the books you're reading and the messages you're listening to it, and you start looking at your own heart. You start looking inside. You're too busy casting off those weights and the sin that besets you to have any sort of opinion about somebody else. As long as you're concerned about what somebody else in your household or your family or in your church or what they're doing on TV or in Washington or somewhere else, as long as that's occupying your emotions, you are not up to speed with God. You are not running down the track ready to get on that train when it comes. When you run alongside those tracks, and I appreciate that preaching. Glory to God. You know, um, I love it when you get the congregation and they're all helping you preach. and You have to sit them down and say, just calm down. I'm going to finish this message. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I much prefer that. But at any rate, I think you understand what I'm saying. That life of yours and mine is not going to get any more of what it needs to be in God until we change our spiritual life. Praise the Lord. Even the prophet Jeremiah, who most of us who, who study the scripture recognize as being probably one of the most sacrificial men of God in the Bible. Jeremiah went through amazing things. If you've read his book or read about his life, but even the prophet Jeremiah was not up to speed with the intensity that God needed him to be up to speed with. And uh, he poured his heart out to the Lord 
and listen to the answer God gave him in Jeremiah chapter 12. And the Lord answered Jeremiah, If you have raced on foot against men, and they have worn you out, how will you be able to compete with horses? And if you feel secure only in safe and open country, how will you manage in the thick undergrowth along the Jordan River where lions hunt? You see, God is moving you out of your comfort, comfort zone. If you want to win the lost, then it's not out in the open plains where you can walk around all day and never be threatened. It's in those thickets that are choked with lions. And, and if, if, uh, if you get tired living at the spiritual level you're living at right now and you can't pray more than 10 minutes and you're like, well, I'm prayed out. That's, that's all I got. If, you know, Jesus went to the disciples in the garden, he said, could you not pray an hour? And they were all tuckered out. And he, he wasn't condemning them, but we have to. If we don't evaluate ourselves, if I don't provoke you and I to evaluate ourselves, we are not going to engage with the move of the Holy Ghost that God is sending. And so this is for our good, for His glory. Amen. And so if, um, if, if, if we're living at a comfort level and God has an idea of what He wants to do with you, He's saying, look, if you get tired running with these guys on foot, what are you going to do when you've got to run with the horses? You've got to run with the cavalry. What are you going to do then? And so ask yourself that question. You know, Jesus has given us tremendous authority with which to operate in the world. And we love to quote the verses. We love to talk about it. For example, Matthew 28, where Jesus came to them and said, All authority, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Well, my goodness. The man literally became so selfless that only the will of the Father, only where the Holy Spirit was leading him, only those things, and he walked right up to Calvary and let them put him on that cross and, uh, and never complained against anybody in the process. So how did he get all that authority? Why is he worthy of that authority? You could say, well, he's God. Yes, but he acted like God. He was also a man. And in that human nature, he put that human nature under the divine nature. Glory to God. There's a lesson here for us. Can you say amen? And we want the authority he has. And Jesus said, I've got it for you. I've, come, I've risen from the dead to give you this authority. All authority has been given me in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples. So what do I want to say to you about that? What I want to say is that the authority that he's given you only works when your spiritual life is on the go. All authority is given to me. There's no lack. The authority is there. Go. Again, there's the action. There's the, and when those disciples went, they left, their, they left their homes. They left their families. They left their wives. 
They left their businesses. They made sacrifices. Now, I wish I could mollify that for you. I wish I could sort of 21st century it and take all of the, the, the hard sacrifice out of it, but I can't. I can't because even in our own life we have experienced that. That um, I am the Lord and I change not, the Bible says. It is foolish for anybody to preach or to think that somehow God requires something different today. But he's going to let us see the, the glorious move of the Holy Spirit. He is going to uh, let the, the shadow that, that, uh, that fell from Peter in the middle of the day across the sick. He's going he's to let those kind of miracles happen because we, we come out on Wednesday night prayer and, and spend an hour in intercession. Or we maintain a kind of a devotional life with the Lord. I'm sorry, but that's not happening, church. Are you listening to me this morning? Yeah. Jesus said, all authority is mine, go. And I can't tell you what go means to you and I, but I can say this, that when we come together as the body of Christ and it's time to praise the Lord, you can at least go then. Yes. Are you listening to me? You can at least tap your foot, raise a hand, lift up your voice, bless the Lord, pour out your heart, let God know you're thirsty, let him know you're hungry. Praise God. Amen. So, you cannot pray for self to follow Jesus. Have you ever done that? Oh, Lord, I pray that you would help my nature to, to yield to you. I, I pray that self will be conformed to Christ. Um, prayer has, does a lot of things. And, and prayer has a great purpose. But that's not one of them. The Bible says, set aside. <laughs> set aside. Set aside. Put off the weights. It's, it's activity. It's action. You have to make some changes. You have to do some things. Whatever that means in your life. Now, you certainly can pray and say, Lord, what do I need to do? But to simply say, Lord, I pray that you would just, you know, Help me follow you. Help me be obedient to you. The Lord says, I've been trying to help you for years. I, I sent you the helper. What, what, what other kind of help is it that you think you need? You've got the helper. You are the helpee. The helper is here to help the helpee. But if the helpee won't get up and go, if the helpee won't set sin aside, if the helpee won't shed some tears every once in a while, or if you're angry and frustrated, get angry in the presence of God. Grab yourself up. Slap yourself around in the presence of God. I'm not talking about condemnation. I'm talking about a wake-up call. I'm talking about getting up to speed. Aren't you sick and tired of your closest friends, your husband, your wife, your children? Aren't you sick and tired of your own conscience grabbing you up every two or three days and saying, you know you need to do this? Aren't you tired of that? Wouldn't you like to instead, every two or three days, hear the Father say, well done, good and faithful servant. God wants to say those things to you. You've got to get out of the, I need to do this and I need to do that. Grow up. This is a grow-up message. Are you listening? Are we children or are we adults? 
Are you just a child living in an adult life? We talk about God's love, but the, the love of God says, when I became a man, I put away childish things. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm, I'm going to say amen if nobody else is. I, I thought that was a pretty good point. Praise God. Um, you, you have to put self aside. Self is not going to, you can't pray self away. Why won't God deal with me? By the time God gets ready to deal with you, it'll be too late. You won't like it. If you don't deal with yourself before, see, God expects you and I to behave like sons and daughters. And get up to speed. You know what to do. Do it. Praise the Lord. Lay aside every weight and those things that so easily entangle. Look, Matthew, Matthew, the first verse I ever learned after uh, going from being an existentialist atheist to a radically saved Christian in one night alone in my apartment. First, uh, a verse I ever learned was I had never opened a Bible in my life. I fell open and I read Matthew 16, 24. So I'm going to read it to you this morning. Jesus said, if anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and run. Run after me. Run this race. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So, you cannot pray self away. You have to deny self away, take up your cross, and then get up to speed with God. Amen? Amen. Let me bring this down to a, a kind of a practice. I have a point that I like, believe I should bring this to this morning. Um, I had mentioned to you about praise and worship, and I really, really believe that... Um, God wants to bring us to a place where we step above our comfortable level of worship, our comfortable devotional uh, uh, worship routine where we do only what we're moved to do. Praise and worship is supposed to be about sacrifice. It's supposed to be about following the lead of the most expressive person in the room. It's supposed to be about provoking one another to love and to good works. It's supposed to be about blessing God because he's worthy to be blessed, not because I feel like praising him or I feel like blessing him. And um, so I believe that, that God uses our need to praise and to worship the Lord, hallelujah, to make us responsive to the Holy Spirit. Um, I've just been in this way too many years, decades, to not notice the pattern, and it lines up with the word, that when churches begin to step up their program, whatever you want to call it, of calling out on Jesus and breaking above the ceiling of their comfort level, that's when you start seeing revival start trickling. And never before. It doesn't just happen. It just hits people where they're at. God always calls us up. He always calls us out of our comfort zone. Jeremiah 29, 13 said it like this. You will seek me and inquire for me and require me as a vital necessity. And then you'll find me when you search for me 
with all your heart. Not what's left over the remains of the day. All your heart. That fresh heart. Let me say that miracles begin when we take initiative to get out of the boat and come to Jesus. There's nothing wrong if you're one of the disciples that stayed in the boat when Peter climbed out. It isn't about judging those who didn't get out of the boat. It's about learning a lesson from the life of the man who did climb out of the boat. And that lesson is pretty clear. That if you really want to see Jesus glorified and see his power operate, then you put a demand on the necessity for his power by stepping out of your comfort zone so that he has to uphold you. Get out of the boat. And it's not about getting out of the boat either, is it? It's about coming to Jesus. Lord, if that's you, bid me come. Come on. I was always wanting somebody to ask me. And you get out and you come to Jesus. Now the minute he stopped coming to Jesus and started walking on water, what happened? You can't walk on water. <coughs> Try it sometime. You can't walk on water. I got a friend who tried it one day. He said, if I've got faith, I can walk on water. He was on his lunch break. He was working at Tampa General Hospital. He's sitting out there on the grassy hill eating lunch with everybody else. And he'd gotten himself into this thing where he thought, you know, if I've got faith, I can walk on water. And he was up to his chin when he turned around and decided to walk back out of the lake. Wow. Um, so, you know, God bless him, you know. But it's not about walking on water. The minute it becomes about walking on water, you're going to sink. Forget it. You can't walk on water. It's about coming to Jesus. Keeping your eyes on him, coming to him. Lord, I'm thirsty for you. Lord, I'm hungry for you. There's water here. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm coming to you. Yes. Hallelujah. Glory. Don't you just want to be like that again? Praise the Lord. So here's my closing thought. In, uh, Psalm 34.3 says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us, everyone say us, Exalt his name together. Everyone say together. Now, I pray that you hear what I'm about to say to you. Um, when you want to get a whole church, and we got a sliver of a church this morning, but that's all right. When you want to get a church up to speed with the train of the Holy Spirit. God's purpose is coming down the track. He said, get ready, start running. The marathon runners, the handoff with the baton, that runner that's about to receive has to start running and get up to the pace of the incoming runner. The handoff takes place. That is exactly how the Holy Ghost moves. If you're standing there like that, he's going to blow right by you. He's not going to hand the baton to a Christian who's standing still. Because he knows you're obviously not in the race. If you're not running, you're not in the race. Now, if you want to get a whole church up to speed with the train of the Holy Ghost, then the people need to change the way they do praise and worship and go from treating praise and worship as their own private devotional time and understand it is body time. It is body of Christ time. It's not my devotional time. It's God's devotional time. It's 
His time to have our praise, our embrace, our hearts being poured out to Him. Hallelujah. And that means you've got to get a congregation to move beyond their comfortable pace and align with the most forward-leading expression of worship. Now, here's where it gets a little... I, some other time, maybe I'll go into some detail with some practical, but let me just give you the basic idea. Everybody's different. Some people quiet, some people loud. Um, some people, it's a real sacrifice to be still. It's, uh, they get into a praise and worship service, and it's like, whoa, I love this. This is what I, I love to just be in front of everybody and doing my thing. Um, I understand that. I understand everyone's got different whatevers. However, here's the deal. Praise and worship, the key to getting up to speed with God as a body, is magnify the Lord with me. We say that to one another. Magnify the Lord with me. I'm not isolated. You and I are together in this thing when we are praising and worshiping God. God wants to deal with a body. And, and so it says, let us exalt his name Together. So I learned early on as a Christian, having never been in church before I got saved, certainly never been in a church that practiced any kind of praise or worship or anything. So I never had any church experience. So when I first got saved, I learned that whenever I was in a prayer meeting or a church service or a gathering where people began to worship, I would notice when a hand started to go up and mine would go up. I would notice when a person got down on their knees and began to humble themselves before God. I got down on my knees. I, you say, did God tell you to do that? No. God didn't tell me to do that. I did it. Are you listening to me? Amen. I did it. And when I saw somebody shout, praise the Lord, I shouted, praise the Lord. Are you, do you understand? When I saw someone dance, I watched them. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I'm about as coordinated. Nobody wants to see that. Oh, no, I, I've, I've danced in church plenty of times. But I used to get secret mail. Please, pastor, leave the dancing to people that... So at any rate, but you understand, do you understand what I'm saying? I didn't go into these meetings, these prayer meetings, these gatherings, and, uh, and watch people lay, lift their hands and, and pour their heart out before the Lord and go, well, no, I'm not being led to do that, and sit back and withhold myself. I wanted to be on the leading edge of what God was doing. Amen. So whatever was, the, whatever was happening there in the worship, I gave myself to it. That's a little secret. It, a little tip. It's okay to do that. It's all right. Don't wait to be moved. Move. You have the word to tell you. Exalt his name together. The problem with us, we are too used to being led to do everything. Why? You don't bother letting that I need to be led thing interfere with all any of the other stuff you do in life. Are you listening to me? Yes. 
You just go get it because you want it. You say that thing because you want to say it. You go do it because you want to do it. But then when it comes to the spiritual things, I don't know if I'm really being led to do this. We call that hypocrisy. For a good reason. It is hypocritical. You know if you want something to eat, you go to the fridge. You don't pray about going to the refrigerator. You go to it. You pull that stuff out and you make yourself a pizza or whatever it is that you do. Don't you? Yeah. You don't ask God. You thank Him for it. Thank you for this pizza. Boom, there it goes. <laughs> and God said, why don't you come to me like that? Why do you all of a sudden have to get so high and mystical and and uh, oh, I, you know, I don't know. I don't want to make a fool of myself. Or, well, you make a fool of yourself and you're just shoving a whole pizza in your mouth. That's me, by the way. I eat one whole pizza by myself. So, um, just didn't want anyone to feel bad. So, do you understand when it comes to praise and worship, we need to get up to speed with God. And I believe on the day of Pentecost, when the Lord's he set up the first church service that existed. They were in one accord. Not just in one place. They were in one accord. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody was as vocal as, as all the and it was all at the same volume. But everybody was pitching in. When it says, let us praise his name together, it wasn't 105 people praising God. And... Uh, 15 of them sitting there like this, saying, I hope this ends soon because I've got an appointment. Or look at that. Do you understand? Have you? I don't know. Am I the only one? that I have sat in our services sometimes, and I've looked around, and I've thought, oh, what God must think. How does the Holy Spirit feel? If the Holy Spirit feels, and I believe he feels, he can be grieved. What must Jesus think when he sees half of us are genuinely worshiping the Lord and the other half got other stuff on our mind at the same time? Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. A church that operates like that cannot receive the move of the Holy Spirit, period. It will not happen. It will not happen. But it'll happen that quick when we all get into one accord. The next time we have an opportunity, and the doors are open and we can gather together to pray, come and bless God, pray. The next time we have an opportunity to come together to prayer, to worship, to praise the Lord, come and praise the Lord and worship and lift Him up. Participate. You say, well, I'm not sure what to do. Well, watch the people that are doing something and do what they do. That's how I learned to praise and worship. I started doing what they were doing. Hallelujah. And I found it was all in the Bible. It was all there. And I think God loved that about me when I was young. And I hate about me that I don't do that anymore. That I just do what I feel led to do. Instead of become provoked by you. When I see you step out, I should want to step out. Glory to God. Kathy and I were talking about it and we said, well, I ain't jumping in no conga line. That's a, that's a different thing. You know, when somebody grabs you in church and says, come on, woo, let's go. You know, 
This is about you grabbing you, not about you grabbing somebody else. This is about you letting, letting well, if the Lord tells me to, well, forget it. He ain't going to tell you to. I'm going to tell you right now, he's not going to. He wants to see what you've got in your heart. My goodness. He wants to know what's going on in your heart. Hallelujah. I'm going to leave it at that note right there. That's, that's a good place to stop. Praise the Lord. I want you to close your Bible. Stand up with me.